Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It seems that every week is more exciting. I don't know if that's the proper word, exciting. But more things happen, bad things, as opposed to good things. And it's just building up and building up. And a lot of it involves, of course, Donald Trump. But there are other things, too. Uh, So I'm going to be hitting here and there tonight. Uh, Not necessarily Trump, but there will be a lot of Trump here because what else can you do? I I unfortunately can't share with you any exciting things about Key West because I don't go out. This is day 128 of my self-quarantine, 128 days, four months. Absolutely amazing. If anyone told me that I would have been sitting in my house for 128 days, I would not have believed them. But I did what I had to do and what I'm supposed to do at 85 and with all kinds of problems. You can't screw around. You cannot gamble. I did not go out to last Monday on the 120th day. It was the first time. And since that day, in the last eight days, I have been out on four occasions, all doctor-related. That's the only reason I was out of this house. And each one of those visits was less than one hour. I was home in about 45 minutes for all of them. Absolutely amazing in itself. I went to the doctor a week ago. I'm not going to get into detail. Uh, But I went to the doctor a week ago, a week ago yesterday, because I, I hadn't been in quite a while, and I am, you, you feel things in your body, you're wondering if something's going wrong, and I, so I put on my mask, you know, and put on my rubber gloves, or plastic gloves, and away I went, on my 85th birthday, I, I'm sorry, I went, when I left his office, I was sorry, I went, uh, ended up coming up with two, pro, two problems, uh, I'm going to share one with you tonight. The other I don't know yet because I don't know the results yet. Uh, One's minor and what could be significant. The minor one, I had minor surgery today. I've had, what, three doctor visits and one hospital visit. The hospital visit was for a test. Today was for minor surgery in a doctor's office. I'm laughing. I can't help it. (laughs) No one could say I've been abusing my body. And I'm still waiting uh, for the result of the hospital test I had Saturday morning. But anyhow, I'm proud of myself 128 days. Uh, I'm beginning to get to the point where I'd like to go out, but there's no place to go even if I wanted to cheat and go out. I, I, I hope I have one more European trip in me. I'd like to do two or three months in Europe. I'd like to spend a lot of time in Greece, do some time in Italy, spend a week in London. I loved London. I, w- I would like to do that uh, one more time. Uh, so that's the story there, quarantine, 128 days. Uh, the other thing is Florida is in terrible shape. Uh, we have coronavirus up the ass. That's the only way I can describe it. I apologize for phrasing it that way, but it's absolutely true. It's like New York City was four months ago. It's out of control here. And our governor uh, here... DeSantis is not Andrew Cuomo, New York's governor. Uh, I think DeSantis is one of the most inept uh, politicians I've ever met. He does everything 
that Trump says he should do. Never deviates. Trump has said repeatedly that Florida's Governor DeSantis is the best governor in the United States. And why not? Uh, Trump says jump. He asks this the old story. How high before he even jumps? That's the perfection he wants to show his leader. Uh, but we, we've got so much coronavirus here. Uh, we were lucky here in Key West avoiding the, avoiding the heavy numbers until recently. We barricaded the road into the Keys, US-1. We had to take it down. June 1st, I think it came down. Since then, the numbers are moving up in Key West because people are running in here from the mainland. Uh, the, the worst place in the United States today for coronavirus is the county of Miami-Dade in Florida. It has the worst numbers for any county in the entire United States. So what happens? These people, you know, the bars are closed earlier there and all this sort of stuff. They get in their cars and they're driving down here. There's no barricade. Four hours later, they're in our bars. In our restaurants, no one's wearing masks. They're grouping together. No one's social distancing. And so our numbers are going up. They've gone up pretty good, 40 or 50, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot with the other numbers we're hearing. But I keep worrying. We have not seen yet uh, the numbers for July 4th. They're going to be in starting next week, I think, because it takes about two weeks for this stuff to come up, as we all well know, uh, to expose itself. So I'm concerned about that. Uh, so really, there's no place to go here if you live here. It's that simple. Okay. Today, tonight, we're going to go to very few places. I've got some heavy things to hit, but not a lot of places. We're going to go to France, Venezuela, Colombia, Washington, D.C., New York City, and China. want to start with Bastille Day. Today is Bastille Day. This is the national holiday of France. This is like their Independence Day. They were fighting a revolution, a revolution, and they wanted to take the monarchy down and all that. And it was July 14th. Today, today's date, July 14th, the year 1789, in French, La Quatorze Juliette, and Besides being known today as Bastille Day, it's also known as the French National Day. Fête Nationale. Fête Nationale. Anyhow, so it's the anniversary. It's the anniversary of the French people, the poor people, okay? Storming the Bastille, a grand fortress used as a jail infamous for holding prisoners, especially political prisoners. Now, the people who attacked, the revolutionaries who attacked the Bastille that day, did not go to release prisoners. History, most historians say, oh, they went to release all, all, all the political prisoners who had been on their side who were confined. There were only seven people in the whole jail, <laughs> seven political prisoners in the whole jail. The reason, the reason on this day in 1789, the Bastille was stormed and successfully taken over was because it was the storehouse for gunpowder and ammunition, and the revolutionaries needed that gunpowder and ammunition. And so 
They want they only freed seven people, but again, that was not their intent. Okay, want to talk about the flu, not coronavirus, the flu. I want to talk about the 1918-19 worldwide flu pandemic, epidemic, whatever way you wish to describe it. Uh, it was up to that time the profoundly traumatic event, worldwide event. Its numbers may, before we were done, even exceed coronavirus, okay? Uh, It killed 50 million people in two years, 50 million people worldwide. It infected one-third of the world's population. It was everywhere and anywhere, In the United States alone, it killed 675,000 of our people over a two-year period. These are big numbers. The second year, 1919, was especially bad, okay? It was terrible. It was horrible. Uh, It made 1918 look like kid stuff. And the reasons, therefore, are that They were battling the epidemic. They had just fought a war, World War One, and the nation, our nation, was in a depression, a deep, deep recession. So, just get it, still in the pandemic for over a year, uh, fought a war, still coming out of that, and we're in a deep recession. There were also strikes in 1919 around the country. Not 1918, the second year, 1919. You're going to find some of the things that were occurring interesting and comparable to what we're going through now. Uh, It was described, 1919, the summer was described as the red summer. And why? Because white mobs were violently attacking black Communities. I repeat, white mobs were violently attacking black communities. Now, you have to understand, the black Americans, they may have put up with this crap before. They weren't going to put up with it now. Many of them had fought in World War I, okay? And they felt they had earned their way, fought their way, helped with victory to the United States and the Allied forces, and should not be maltreated in this fashion. So they fought back. You really had some battles going on in the streets and elsewhere. The black community, the black people were sick and tired of what they described at the time as equal citizenship. Now, the people, for whatever reason, did not like talking about the flu while it was going on, and afterwards. Uh, how many people, really? I, I'm aware of the flu, 1918-19. I wasn't born until 35. But uh, the family never stopped talking about it. We celebrated one, one, one Sunday every year in September. We celebrated the fact my grandfather survived, okay? Uh, he had the flu, terrible. Uh, my grandmother went to church. She barefoot. She she walked on her hands and knees in the church, telling God, keep, 
Keep my husband safe. Make him recover. She had eight children. I mean, they're immigrants. Uh, can you imagine how horrible this had to be? So I'd always heard about it, but the news wasn't like it is with this coronavirus today. Uh, and again, maybe, I'm not sure the reasons, but the people just didn't talk about it. It became known, the historians write about the 1918-1919 flu as, and I quote, America's forgotten pandemic. America's forgotten pandemic. The doctors were upset because by the end of World War One, the doctors believed they had reached a point in their profession where they could solve any disease. Even if it did not have a cure as yet, they had the ability and the capacity to cure everything, to resolve everything. And they couldn't handle the flu bug just like we're having trouble handling the coronavirus virus, excuse the redundancy. Uh, and that demoralized the doctors very much. It may have contributed to they're not wanting to talk about it or anyone else. Masks. Masks were a big deal back then in the flu epidemic. And guess what? The people didn't want to wear the mask. This is an amazing thing. Masks. Some wore it, but not as many as should have. Uh, and those that did wear it, everybody smoked in those days, by the way. Those that did wear the mask would poke a hole in the mask so they could smoke cigarettes while they were wearing the mask. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Um, the thing was so bad, so bad, that schools were closed. You heard me. Schools were closed. They didn't have all the bullshit we're having right now about opening the schools. Schools were closed. Places of public amusement were closed. How about this one? No spitting ordinances, I'm laughing, were enforced. They had the cuspidors. Men used to, to this day, I don't understand why men always spit and they had to have the cuspidor. No one spits today. Very few people spit today. Occasionally you see an athlete on the field spitting. But uh, they enforced those spitting ordinances because they believed that the flu germ could be transferred uh, by people spitting. And, of course, mask wearing in public was mandated. And the people were reluctant to wear them. Now, the second wave. We're hearing second wave with coronavirus. Probably going to be worse than the first. Well, let me tell you what happened with the flu. The flu in, of 1918, 1919 had a second wave, okay? Second wave. It lasted three months, okay? As described as especially cruel, cruel. Uh, now, where did this thing come from? Where did the second one? Always good to know where things come from. I don't think we're going to get it the same way, or maybe we are, probably. Anyhow, the reason they said uh, the second wave came, beginning in the fall of 1918 and moving into to 1919, the flu virus had mutated. It had mutated, okay? And the mutated virus was spreading wildly. Had no, Nothing people were doing at the time it started, the mutated virus could be controlled. And the other problem was, don't forget, we're just coming out of a war, World War One, 
and our wartime troops were traveling here, there, and everywhere in the United States, and they were the major cause of the spread of the new mutated virus. Trump said, "Pure, I love Donald. What would we have to talk about if it wasn't for Donald Trump these days? Uh, Trump announced uh, about a week ago, he, it just, he just did it once, one day, that's all. This man does these things. He come up, comes up with a big idea, and you never hear about it again. Thank God. But you don't know which one he's serious about. You don't know which one to get ready for. Anyhow, he announced about a week ago that he seriously was considering the United States invading Venezuela, okay, uh, because the people down there were being treated so brutally by Maduro. Uh, now, if you recall... About four or five months ago, he said the United States was going to invade Venezuela again because the people were being abused under Maduro. They don't vote him out, okay? They still keep him in office, but they're upset. They're hurting. So he sent United States forces to Colombia. Colombia is the adjoining country to uh, Venezuela. And he had American troops on the border, on the in Colombia, on the Venezuelan border, ready to go in. When all of a sudden, Russian planes showed up. They landed. They were welcomed by Maduro, by the way. They landed on Venezuelan airfields. They brought Russian soldiers with them. What you have to realize, and what I've talked about before, and I'm sure most of you are aware, Russia and China is interested also, and the United States don't care about the Venezuelan people. They want the oil. It's all in the oil. Venezuela has the largest oil deposits of any country in the world. Okay? So Trump figured he was going to be able to sneak in there and take control of Venezuela. Now he controls all that oil. He knows Russia wants it. He knows China wants it. If there, there will never be a war in Venezuela over the oil. I can't see it happening. Not in, in well, I've got a little time left. But even behind the time I may have left. Uh, because it means that Russia and China are going to line up against us. And you're going to have a major war that nobody wants. Because as soon as those Russian planes landed with soldiers on Venezuelan airfields, we never heard anything more from Trump about our military who were sitting on the border ready to go into Venezuela. He got him out of there as quickly as he got him there. So that's the story. It's all bullshit. It's never going to happen. Okay, Robert Mueller. He came out this week and said... Uh, he didn't like what happened with regard to Roger Stone, and he's right. It's a, a disgrace. It makes me, as a, as a lawyer, sick. I've never seen the law handled in this way, misused and abused, and they're getting away with it. The Attorney General, now even the FBI, uh, Justice Department, Trump. Th this is all wrong. They're misusing the law. Uh, and at some point, people don't like this, and they revolt. This, this is another contribution to maybe someday we're going to have another government. Not right away yet, though. But anyhow, Robert Mueller said he, that he didn't like it. It was wrong. And he was prepared this time to testify before Congress. He said this with bravado. 
let me make my point clear. I wrote about this last year. I said Robert Mueller was a failure. He had failed in his job as special counsel. His responsibility was to get Donald Trump. He never got Donald Trump. Why? Because he handled this case like a former FBI agent and not a special counsel. The limitations that go with being, legally, that go with being an FBI agent don't apply to a special counsel. He had an open book. He could have done a lot more. Uh, you know, and this word was, oh, we don't indict a sitting president. Well, there's no law that says that. That's something that happened 20, 30, 40 years ago. And the FBI decided they were not, the Justice Department, they should not indict a sitting president. No law saying that's the case. Go out there, get them, indict them. All these indictments, would he indict seven people? Roger Stone, Cohen, uh, Flynn. Flynn's going to get, he'll probably get commuted also. They don't mean anything, in my opinion, these people getting indicted and being brought to conviction. Uh, or they pled guilty, it's the same as a conviction, because they didn't get number one. They got the underlings. This was an investigation that required getting Donald Trump, period. And he failed to do it. He thought he was doing the right thing. But I was shocked, as most of America was, I think, that he failed to do the right thing. Even when a congressional committee said, we're going to subpoena you, he says, I won't testify. Pump his ass. And then he said, okay, I'll testify, but I'm only going to refer you to what's in my written report, which basically is what he did. He did expound a little bit, but not enough. Uh, he failed. I'm not saying he's a bad guy. He misviewed. He missaw his job, his responsibility, and as a result, Trump walked. Now you say, well, it was still a Republican Senate. Ah, but if Mueller had done his job and spelled it out more clearly in his report, there might have been, there very well could have been one or two Republican senators who would have voted for the Dem with the Democrats to impeach because what Donald Trump did was bad. He colluded with Russians, amongst other things. I want to read to you. Three statements. These are beautiful things. <laughs> statements that Donald Trump has made uh, over the years here, some immediately before becoming president, some after president. But uh, I'm only going to read them. They speak for themselves. Uh, one of his statements was, and I quote, I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Mark my words. <laughs> he's stealing from the army to pay for this portion of the wall. Mexico set up yours, Donald. We're not going to pay for anything. And he isn't pursuing it uh, because he was wrong. And now he's trying to put up that wall. He claims he's going to have it done by the end of the year. Good luck. It's only about 25% done, uh, of which oh, there's, I forget how many miles, 100 or 200 miles. There's 450 more miles to go. Uh, or it's a 450-mile wall. I'm not sure. The important thing is whatever number of miles have been completed, I, I talked about this last week, only three are new, new wall. The rest are the old wall renovated, rebuilt, fixed up, which makes me laugh because it was announced this past week 
the three miles of wall, three miles of wall, they don't say whether it's the new wall or the renovated wall, it's terribly eroding. It run, it's in Arizona. It runs along the Rio Grande River, and the, the governments in Arizona and elsewhere in that area are afraid the wall is going to fall into the river. Those three miles, my friends, cost us $42 million to either build or correct, an abhorrent amount of money. Another statement by Donald Trump, and I love this one. I have a great relationship with African Americans, as you probably have heard. I just have got respect for them, and they like me. I like them. He's full of shit. Excuse the way I put it. And then with China, <laughs> he said, and I quote, I beat China all the time, all the time, unquote. I beat China all the time, all the time. Uh, and we're talking about maybe, just maybe, at some point, and I'm not going to have time to get into it tonight, we may have a war with China. It's a congressman, a Republican congressman, thought in three years we'll have a fighting war with China because Trump keeps aggravating China and over around the virus and the trade war and everything else, and China's had it, uh, and China knows. They've built their military up where it's superior to ours. I don't care what Donald Trump says. Does that mean we're going to lose? I don't know. We are one and two, China and the United States, powers in the world, militarily also. But I don't know who would win the war because China has gotten strong. Dana Milbank, Washington Post reporter, said in his opinion piece this past Sunday, has nothing to do with China, by the way. Uh, I'm back into what people are saying about Donald, that the one consistency of Trump's presidency, I quote, the one consistency of Trump's presidency is tomorrow will be worse. Did you hear what I said? The one consistency of Trump's presidency is tomorrow will be worse. Let me talk about housing prices. We don't hear too much about this. They're dropping rapidly in the United States. We don't get that much news about it. They are plummeting the worst since 2008 when we had the bank-caused recession, all right, for which no banker ever paid or went to jail. Only the people who lost their homes, millions of the homes, went into mortgage foreclosures, but the banks never paid for their sin, and they were the ones who caused the recession of 2008. Well, things are tough today. A lot of people not working, the virus, this and that, businesses going out of business. So it works out this way, very simply. In the last year, May to May, ending in this past May, okay, single-family homes went down across the country on an average of 24.8%. Condominiums, even worse, down 41%. Breaking it down into different geographical areas, the Northeast plummeted 29.9%. 30% the prices went down. The Midwest, 20.2%. A fifth. The South, 25%. Wow, a quarter. And the West, the worst of all, went down 35.1%. Now, I don't see these reductions in the Miami and the Key West properties. Our homes, especially our high-end homes down here, are selling 
in the most, for the most that I've seen in my 25, 30 years down here. I mean, we've got multi, we used to, we always had multi-million dollar homes, but not to the extravaganza. We've got multi-million dollar homes in the stratosphere. I've never seen them this high. And what bothers me, they should be going down. They're not going down. The realtors are keeping that market up, hoping that it's, this bad thing's going to go away and the market will hold, but it isn't holding. Everywhere else is dumping, and it's going to dump here in the Keys. Dramatically guaranteed. Lewis told you so. Don't forget. Remember the flag burning, the flag burning in front of the White House uh, at the time when blacks love, black lives mattered and we had the protests about a month ago. Well, that flag burning was blamed on the black people. Or maybe, well, maybe some were black, but they weren't the black people who were calmly protesting, as we now know. It was two groups. One was a communist group, and the other a fascist group, the Revolutionary Communist Party. And so some sort of fascist group were the ones who burned the American flag. Disgraceful, terrible, ter- even more terrible that we really didn't know until recently. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed. I love doing this show, and I'm glad you come back. My numbers go up every week. I keep saying that's because it's true, and it thrills the hell out of me. I do a blog every morning. It'll take you three or four minutes to read it. KeyWestLou.com. KeyWestLou.com. It's like this show. I have a lot more things. If you like the show, you'll like the blog. If you don't like the show, don't read the blog. It'll be a waste of time. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week.